Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. An article in Tribal Gaming and Hospitality from May of 2022 quoted CEO Linda Cooley of Mad River Brewing Company stating, currently we are still battling stigmas, suppression, and tokenism. Creating the change we need and reaching outside of Indian country is imperative to change our reality. The leaders of business, mainstream organizations, and megalithic chain stores and franchises need to stand with us and create space for us to tell our own story. Mad River Brewery has emerged as a leader in the craft beer industry and beyond by forging creative partnerships and also through grit and determination. In deciding to tell parts of our story through our product labels, we are demanding room to create our own category. Today, dear listeners, I'd like you to meet my guest, Linda Cooley, CEO of Mad River Brewing Company. Linda, welcome to Native Chalk Talk. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you and your listeners. Yeah, we were talking earlier about how just today I was so excited to get this started and be able to talk through something very different for me here on the podcast and getting to hear what you do and how it's helping Indian country has been huge. So before we get started, I'll share a few tidbits about the big things Linda is doing, not only in Indian country, but also throughout the U.S., Linda Cooley is of the Yurok tribe and is the CEO of Mad River Brewery, a women-led and wholly-owned business by the Yurok Agriculture Corporation with a 30-year track record of awards. Linda Cooley's focus is creating a partnership in Indian country and trailblazing a Native American category in the craft beer industry, driving sales and awareness of Native business and diversifying the Yurok tribe's economic portfolio. Landa is rebranding Mad River into a culturally appropriate package that shows the Europe people's focus of stewardship and water advocacy. In addition, Linda was the recipient of the National Center for American Indian Enterprise Development's Tim Wapato Public Advocate of the Year Award at the Reservation Economic Summit, RES, in Las Vegas, Nevada. This award recognizes those who are outstanding for their contributions to the betterment of Indian communities. Linda graduated from Humboldt State University and is a member of the American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association. She was formerly the deputy director for the Yurok Economic Development Corporation and also worked at the Redwood Hotel Casino as the convention services manager and was the national sales manager for Eel River Brewing Company. So all of this experience you've had since 2007 seems like it would have been a help to what you're doing now. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. It seems that everything I have done leading up to this point was for where I'm at right now with Mad River and the Yurok tribe and Indian country in general, where we're leading up to. I feel super fortunate that I was able to have these jobs, not just in business, but in marketing and sales and specifically Indian country, opening up properties and what that looks like and what our needs are and what we're good at and what that gap is. 
Absolutely. And you have a long history of this whole industry. And we're going to talk about that too. And I, I just knowing what you know, and the experience you've gleaned over the years is just really, it, it, it shows in what you're doing and the success you're having. So tell us where Mad River Brewing is located. We are in Blue Link, California, which is in Humboldt County. We are up in the Redwoods, right below the Oregon border. Um, we're the northernmost county. We are right on Mad River here at the brewery. The brewery is off reservation. We are about 40 minutes away from um, one part or the other from our reservation currently. Okay. I, I picture it as being beautiful there. Is it? Is it really pretty? We are along the Pacific coast in the Redwoods. So it's unbelievable. Oh. You can start at the beach and go through the Redwoods and go to a high mountaintop where you're on a prairie and look at the mountains and the stars. We are mm -hmm. also one of the five top travel destinations in the world here in some of the last Redwood trees. That's amazing. That It's so not fair. No one should <laughs> be able to go to work every day at a place like that. Just kidding. Thanks I'm super you. jealous. <laughs> Just the drive to work anywhere you go in Humboldt County is stunning and you feel fortunate to have that. Absolutely. Wow. I, I didn't ask that question when we talked before and before we started, I was like, she sits where it's really pretty. So <laughs> listeners, be sure to follow Mad River Brewing on Facebook so you can see all the cool things going on. There's something I want to hit head on though. You work in Indian country in an industry having to do with brewing beer, knowing that our people have struggled with a high level substance abuse. So we are talking about a controversial topic to some degree. Um, and it's something you've thought about, Linda. It's something I also thought about before we decided to do this episode together. And I just want to encourage our listeners to hear Linda's story and about the work she's doing at Mad River Brewing Company before you make any judgments. So trust me, y'all, we know what the concerns are around this topic and they are legitimate. But I'm going to ask that if you do have feedback for us, please be professional and constructive. So Linda, what kind of feedback do you typically get from those in the native community, both good and bad? It's both sides of negative and positive and both sides have every right to voice those concerns. It's sure. no secret that we have had um, huge losses from alcohol, not just by deaths, but from lives taken of people kind of giving up on life and depending on alcohol to get them through things. And really, we're not looking at the major problem of it and the source of it, which is trauma. And we all know that and we're getting better now at learning that and what those trauma responses are and how we deal with it. But alcohol is a huge issue. And part of the problem is there's not a lot of Native Americans left. And therefore, we're in these small communities with really large magnifying glasses on us. So when you compare our race and ethnicity to any other, um, we have a lot less to even start with, and we can't afford to lose any more people. And the fear of alcohol killing more people that we have is real and legitimate. And I think that's the overall concern. We can't lose any more people. We've already gone through that. The supporters of it, I truly believe, are not people who are raging alcoholics or who might not even drink. I have a lot of people that support what we're doing that don't drink. And they don't drink for some severe reasons. However, they see it as an economic driver. 
and also not targeting other Native Americans. Alcohol is going to sell whether we want it to or not. And the fact that we sell over $9 billion a year in alcohol in California and to the numbers I have found, the smallest amount I can find is that we probably contribute $400 million alone from casinos and alcohol sales. The gap is, is that we are not keeping all that money in our pocket. And the reality is, is it's not all natives coming to the casinos. It's a lot of tourism. And so here we are balancing, again, this thing with trauma and dealing with it and hearing people what they have to say and let them air out their pain. Um, it goes both ways. Definitely. And in addition to your tapping into a market that really hits all ethnicities, you also are doing big things for the environment, great things for uh, Indian country and beyond. And we will talk about that as well. So I want people to, again, hear us out, hear about the good work that you're doing. Now, your father is no stranger to the effects of addiction himself. So tell us about his story. My father grew up here locally in Humboldt County. He is Yurok and Talawan Karuk. And his both of his parents were um, children in boarding school. And both of them had a pretty severe life where they had to leave early, early and marry each other to get out of there. And it created a relationship out of need, not want. Um, and both of them dealing with trauma that they didn't understand. My grandfather was a severe alcoholic and very abusive to my grandmother. And my dad stood up to his dad um, for abusing his mother and inevitably got kicked out of his home at the age of 15 years old. Still in high school and lived in the woods and to steal food and hunt um, to eat until he could get his first job in construction and support himself. Um, the trauma of having an abusive father and not having that love or feeling hated by your own parent was intense. And a lot of it was fueled, most of it was fueled with trauma, but then it was magnified with alcohol. And at that time, not having a place to talk about it and it was unheard of even in my dad's lifetime he would go places and no alcohol served Indians was still a thing and if there wasn't a sign on it people still gave you dirty looks mm. um in my father's lifetime it was no stranger that he drank beer I didn't suffer the consequences of that negativity but it was always around and it affected me. Maybe I didn't realize up until recently when I had a platform to start talking about really why I felt certain things. And you don't really realize that generational trauma until you start talking about it. And ironically, this brewery gave me that platform to open up my eyes and heart to realize it. Wow. So you kind of went on a journey of your own mm -hmm. once you got into this industry. Yeah, it's eye-opening. It's really eye-opening. And the lead thing is, is that we have trauma from all these things that have happened to us and the false lies that we're told about Native Americans and alcohol, how somehow we react differently and metabolize alcohol different than any other race. And it's just another stigma of suppression. And I think the more that we can work together and have an open communication dialogue about it, the better we're going to come out of this. Hmm. And that's, that's a um, a theory or, uh, how should I say it? Belief that I hadn't heard of before. And I'm no scientist, so I can't make a, 
a correct judgment on it either way, but I do think it is a little eye-opening to think of it in that way. Um, why are Native Americans singled out as having more of a gene to be uh, become independent? So I think that's interesting and I appreciate your sharing that and having the courage to share that. And your dad, actually, he was a hard worker, right? He was. So getting kicked out of his home and living in the woods with nothing, he ended up saving and working really hard to start his own business, a pile driving business, which is um, a heavy construction. And he did a lot of the bridges on my reservation and he did a lot oh. of buildings in San Francisco. He actually built one of the Anheuser-Busch breweries and he always followed the thing of trying to hire local natives and making sure that he's giving back. Um yeah, we've been working hard in my family since forever. Like most Native families, there's no other option. Right. I was going to say, it sounds familiar. The apple doesn't mm -hmm. fall far from the tree in this case when it comes to hard work. So in a moment, we'll hear more about your own journey and how you picked up that go-getter attitude from your dad. And I do respect the fact that addiction is a problem within our tribes, of course, and not to dismiss that thought. But so is addiction to gambling. They're both, you know, definitely some arguments that could go many different ways. Um, so, you know, the casinos, some people think they should not be in existence among our tribes, too. And many thoughts here. I understand the concerns. I definitely get it. But I think there's even more to consider here. So let's talk about the Mad River Brewing, about some of the big things you're doing. And then I'd like to hear about your own story and how it influenced your work today. So tell us about Mad River Brewing. Mad River Brewery is a craft brewery in Northern California that has been in business now for 33 years. Um, it was part of the craft beer movement in California when it first started and Five to 10 years ago, California was saturated with crop breweries just unbelievably. And these breweries had to have a way to differentiate themselves from one another. It got to the point in 2019, Mab River reached out to the Yurok tribe and happened to find that I just moved home and asked if we were interested in purchasing Mad River. Um, I felt like absolutely not. That's just, that will never happen. And I passed on the information to my leadership and they saw something more than what I did. And I'm super thankful. So in the purchase of Mad River, we have rebranded, we have grown our territories, our stores, our stadiums, um, and we continue to do craft beer and really focus on having everything we can green as possible. We've won numerous awards. We're always re-looking at things like that. And we continue to stay a craft beer staple in California. Just now we're tribally owned. That's fantastic. And I'd also like to point out that only 4% of breweries in the U.S. are native owned and even fewer have the distinction of being tribally owned. And Mad River Brewery is the largest tribally owned brewery in California. And as a tribally owned brewery, Mad River Brewery is directly tied to tribal economics and ultimately tribal sovereignty. The brewery has been recognized as a gold, silver, and bronze award winner of the Great American Beer Festival for the best brewery in the nation in its class, Small Brewing Company of the Year and Small Brewing Company Brewer of the Year. That's super cool. Very exciting. Obviously, you are well-known and well-celebrated. So describe the brewery to us. Can you eat there too? Yes. So we have a tap room with a um, amazing barbecue 
chef. I'm not sure what the barbecue terminology is there. <laughs> uh, and we have an experience where you can taste all of our beers, get an idea of our branding in there, have food. We are dog friendly. We have most of the time families here. We have live music. Anytime you come here, it's mostly not just adults, it's families coming out. So it's a really enjoyable atmosphere that kind of also ties into what our life as a tribal person is. We're village people. We all gather together and minus the alcohol part, it really does feel like that here. I love that. You had me at dog friendly. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, my husband and I are some of those people that are like, can we bring our dog? No. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll think about it if we're going to come over. <laughs> yes. Right. So, Sitting out in the right. sun, having a beverage, eating barbecue with your dog and visiting yeah. with your friends and live music. It just doesn't get any better than that. It makes me want to hop on over to California right now and see you guys and be part of that. Um, yeah. And I bet some people are getting thirsty by sitting here and we're going to make you oh. even thirstier. So tell yeah. us about your brews. Yeah, so we have numerous ones. Some of our core ones, we have an extra pale steelhead. It's our most awarded beer. We have numerous gold awards on every platform you can possibly imagine. Um, we have some new exciting ones. We have Historic State Park IPA, and we created a partnership with California State Parks and this beer line to raise awareness and funding for that. Um, we also have a really unique Jamaica Red. We have Seltzer, it's called Undanned, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And that's really made and focused on the removal of dams in California and water issues across the board in Indian country. We're all fighting for that. We have some aged ones, John Barleycorn, Porter, Stout, um, a double IPA. And we have a couple new ones coming out in the next few months as well. They're on the lighter side. Again, a lot of thirsty people out there. <laughs> so you really are paving the way yourself as a native female CEO, as well as the tribe and the brewery itself. I mean, it's super exciting. So how did you get started in the whole brewing industry? My father built the Anheuser-Busch um, plant in Fairfield, the brewery. It was originally supposed to be a bush gardens and clearly the plans wasn't working and it moved to this suggestion. And of course my dad was in favor. And every day after work, he would buy his employees some beer, which at the time was acceptable and save those cans for college money for a future child. And it just so happened on my 21st birthday doing what other 21 year olds are doing. Um, I was at a bar and I ran into someone in the beer industry and they said, hey, you should come over. You have the perfect attitude for um, selling beer. And at the time, I was going to be a social worker, ironically. Okay. <laughs> and I went and met with them. And it just really clicked. The vibe mm -hmm. of the beer industry was very family-oriented, supportive, and it felt comfortable. I was able to go help businesses. Really, that's what you're doing, making sure they're making the right margins and profits and tying them together, along with driving our economics for our state, our county, our country, and having fun while doing it. I've always felt supported and appreciated. So it's been there since I was 21. Amazing. 
I mean, again, you were young when you got into the industry mm-hmm. and, and speaking of the work you're doing at Mad River, there's more to this company than just brewing beer. You mentioned a little bit of that earlier. Tell us how through the brewery you're helping your tribe and your community. There's so many platforms on this. I think that even outside of our tribe and our community, it's Indian country and really bringing some things to surface. One of the big things for me is intertribal partnerships and working with each other and not guarding this information. Specifically, our tribe, our hope is to really create jobs and create opportunities, not just jobs, but also education. I'm trying to get um, some money there and ability with some of the programs in California for brewing. Davis has a great program and to have native scholarships to do things like that, I think would be imperative with our tribe specifically outside of building that framework to capture those benefits. Inevitably, it's really bringing awareness to our tribe and our brand and the fact that we're still here. When I was growing up working at the state parks, It's eye-opening when you talk to people from other areas and they really think that Indians do not exist anymore. So bringing that relevancy to America and in general, I think is really important. And one of the things we didn't talk about, we have our own certification on our product of Yurok country, um, Mm -hmm. which is important to me because I believe one day we'll have all kinds of products for everyone in Indian country and have our own certification and our own processes that we follow that are more than just the general one, I think is huge. And having that visibility and Safeway and Costco, we've never had that. We're the largest tribe in California. And there are so many people who do not know about us or that we exist. And I feel like if they know about us, they'll help us fight for these important things that are important for all of us. Absolutely. And do you typically try to hire tribal members? We do. Um, We have a preference just like everywhere else. It's really hard because some of our staff, they've been here for 20 years making beer. So that's why we're trying to create the framework, knowing that of what does that intro look like to get people into this? And it's not always making beer or having anything to do with it. It could be sales and marketing. Hence why we're trying so hard to grow this company and to add more jobs like that. Totally. So if there are any folks in the area or looking to move to the area that are native, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Linda, Linda's ready to talk to you. So, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you would give some training uh, in Mm -hmm. certain areas as well, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. We're open. Yeah. And speaking of training, um, tell us more about the great things you're doing out there with education. Yeah, education. We are really looking to work with Davis and other colleges to get scholarships. And it's not just brewing. It's really focusing on business and marketing. We have this lack of um, visibility. I truly feel in my heart of professional Native Americans that are out doing something above and beyond just casinos and other things. We have Native Americans working in NASA and Apple. I think it's really important that we have more visibility and we create that. And the more people here demanding that, the better. I really, especially for us, want to get one in brewing. That's something that you could do for alcohol or non-alcohol and these beverages coming up in science in general. 
we need people in the lab. So really creating that framework of jobs and education we need will help drive that and the dollars behind it. Fantastic. It's kind of a full cycle mm -hmm. type of thing. And if you, if you train them, they will come. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you mentioned the undamming earlier in the park beer. Tell us all about that. So when we purchased Mad River, we knew we were going to make some changes. We knew we were going to add beer. We knew we were going to discontinue some. And we have been working with California State Parks on a historic partnership of co-managing land and being able to tell our story. And they said, hey, you should name a beer after this. And I was shocked because I had would have never suggested that. Yeah. I had no idea that was in the realm. And also the reality that we're this happy with our state parks now is something new. It's been a, a hard relationship when you drive by um, someone capitalizing off your land. It's, uh, it's, it's a right. thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we realized with this co-management that not only do we need to fund these visitor centers, the content and the people, it's expensive to run. And how can we get it out there? Not just the profit off of our product, but how can we get visibility to bring attention to other people that could possibly help us with this? And so we created the state park line, not only to bring revenue, but really to bring visibility and try to get people to see that tourism as a huge economic driver in Indian country and on our economy right now, especially with the way it's trending. And we needed to do this and highlight that and hopefully get other people to see what we're doing. With Undammed, uh, the Yurok tribe specifically, we have numerous dams on the Klamath River. It's one of the largest rivers in California. We also are one of the major spawning ground for salmon. We have had massive fish kills to the point of almost extinction here. And couple years ago, we were at the point where it felt like the dams were never coming down and seltzer was on the rise. So we decided to create a product, hopefully bringing more awareness to dam removal and how important water is to not just native people, but to everyone. And hence we created Undammed, um, which is a hard seltzer and trying to bring attention to that. And right after we did that, it got announced that our dams are coming down and it's the largest dam removal history in history ever. And that's that amazing. This next year. Yeah. And even though the trends might change, we really want to keep Undam there because we will need restoration and resources that for a long time to come and hopefully also help other tribes and other people who are fighting for water inevitably create this pathway. That's really neat. And I hear there's a second park beer coming out this year. Yes. Correct? Yes, we have another one coming out. We ended up deciding it needed to be a series. Um, with the, it's no secret the economy is not the best right now and tourism is going to be there no matter what and really focusing and pushing that and telling our story mm -hmm. or it's coming in on all different ends. And it's unbelievable to be able to pick up a beverage, whether it's alcohol or not, and know that you're supporting something positive. That's a rare thing in our stores right now. Yeah. And actually, I don't know if I got to that, but, um, so when someone buys one of the park beers, does a portion of proceeds uh -huh. go to, to, the, okay. How does that work? Yeah. So what we do is after profitability, then we have a percentage going to all these different things and with COVID hitting, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. It's really hard and it delays it. 
Hmm. So even though maybe the money isn't rolling in currently, like we thought right now, it will be, but also the visibility is way more than we thought. We're bringing in people that wouldn't have heard about this if we wouldn't have done this with our other partnerships. So it's turning out to be more lucrative than we thought in different ways. Yeah. I mean, when you first started all this, did you, did you even set out to, okay, we're going to partner with parks and we're going to help the environment and things like that. Yeah. No. And and it's hard. It's hard because we, people want to buy things from native Americans that look like it, but we don't want to put our culture on a can and alcohol. So what can we share? And really it's what we're fighting for. And to have that freedom and opportunity to do that is kind of a big F you moment, I guess. Sorry to say it in that right? direction, but if you're not going to help us, we're bringing attention to you no matter what. Absolutely. <laughs> well said, Linda. <laughs> That's great. I mean, when you, I feel like there's a, whether you want to call it blessings or karma or whatever, when you're out there building a business that also gives back and it almost can't help it. It just is the way that it's headed. I, I feel like you cannot go wrong. And so the support that people will feel when they're drinking one of those beers is probably mm-hmm. a great feeling that hey, I'm drinking beer and I'm doing good things. <laughs> hopefully, so, right? Right. And hopefully we set the trend for the world. We should be buying products that have good intentions and we should be paying attention to that. And maybe if nothing else, this also brings that to the forefront of, do you really know what you're supporting? Oh, yeah. I think many of us do not. So when you do see, if nothing else, if you're not going to research the products you're already buying, when you hear Mm -hmm. something like this, go out and support it. You know, it's a little thing you can do in your life. So tell us about your partnership with the San Francisco Giants baseball team. It's unbelievable. We had been in COVID for about a year, the pandemic, which took away our ability to do business. And purchasing a business right before that, it's really hard to get the word out of what you want to do and there's nowhere to go sample it. There's no bars open. So we had completely blew up the giants in every way possible, contacting every person we can saying, hey, is there anything we can do to either get our beer in your park or do something together? And one of the reasons we chose the San Francisco Giants is they have been the leader in MLB and sports in general for diversity. And when they say they believe in something and they support it, they do. They stand behind it. And that's not always common. They were the first team to do LGBTQ. They do Native American Heritage Night, and they have for a long time. In that partnership talk, it went so much further than what we ever expected. In our first meeting, it was really questions about our people and what we need as people. It wasn't even necessarily about the business. It's what are you fighting for and what are those struggles? And when someone's asking you that, they're asking you the why you're doing this business, but they're also listening to you. And that's not common, especially in professional sports. We also looked at it as tokenism that's going around it's unbelievable and even though when we're in a time where we're paying attention to it now and taking it down there's still not many teams that are saying well let us give you business or Mm -hmm. if we're going to mention this how can we support you economically 
And we were hoping that this is a way to show other tribes and show other teams that we should be able to tell our own story in our yeah. own way and put your money where your mouth is. I don't want just a sign. I want to, yeah. be able to do business with you. And the giants went above and beyond to do that. Not only do we form this partnership where you can find our products there, they truly support us and believe in us and are always going out of their way to figure out what can we do next and giving us that platform we didn't have before for people to hear about us. I think that it was still kind of in the quiet, even though we did some things until the giants news hit, then it became more aware of our fight. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, talk about a big name partnering with y'all that had to have been really exciting. And I think too, that it's never been done before. This is the first professional relationship with a tribe where we have a product with a team where it's us having our own things there and that visibility it's never been done and I kind of feel like maybe the Giants didn't get enough credit than what they did because they're the first team to put their money where their mouth is and their actions speak far louder than any words well definitely giving them credit here thank you san francisco giants for what you are doing i've only been to one game because i'm not from the west coast but it was a fantastic game many years ago and i love them even more now knowing what they do that's that's amazing and then you were also the first Eurox citizen to throw out the pitch at a game right Yes, it was opening weekend. So in our partnership, not only did we just come out of COVID, but MLB had a lockdown. It was just, we thought it was never going to end. And we were there for opening weekend and we were so excited to see our product there and the word you're off in the hallways. It's just, we never thought this would ever happen. And then I got asked to throw the first pitch the second day of opening weekend. And outside of beer, I am a huge baseball fan. My family is oh, okay. a baseball fan. And we travel all over to go to baseball games. And we are very knowledgeable. So to be able to do this with my daughter there and my family there, and to be honored like this, it's just not a common thing. It was unbelievable, scary and unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, a goosebumps moment to see a, a woman CEO, a Native woman CEO out there who has also gained this fantastic partnership with a major league baseball team. And then you get to throw the first pitch <laughs> or throw out the Thank pitch. God I made it. Thank God I made it. <laughs> I know. It. I was going to say, were you so nervous? I would have just been shaking in my boots. <laughs> yes, because no I was pressure. in downtown. Yeah, I was in downtown San Francisco with nowhere to practice. Someone's like, oh, did you practice? I'm like, I am on the streets of San Francisco. There is nowhere to throw this ball. So I went right. and just hope baseball energy be with me. It was good. Yes, let my ancestors help me out right yes. now. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, they, yeah. they have to be so proud of you. Your ancestors looking down on you now and, and your dad and just, it's got to be amazing knowing that you're doing good things for the community and, and just making them proud. Look how far we've come. So the Yurok tribe isn't just keeping all the success to themselves, which I think is really cool too. Feel free to share about how you're helping the other tribes too. Yes, we are really looking at this as an Indian country fight. And even though we've had some successes, we're still on the struggle bus of a lifetime. Having a business right now in general is really difficult. And what we're identifying is that to get through these times and to exercise our sovereignty and resilience, we have to rely on each other. 
So we're bringing in other tribes to do things with us. We've partnered with um, one of the IOA tribes to grow some of our ingredients. They do regenerative growth. And we're also partnering with other casinos in California to pour our beer. And we're working with other tribes coming up. They're going to be doing alcohol and spirits and wine and create this area and space where we can work together. One of the things we talked about before this is data. We don't really have access to data um, when it comes to Indian country businesses. And one of the reasons we keep it private, and that's completely understandable, we're not sending these reports in, but we're not working together on that platform and coming together and sharing these opportunities and and things that we need. We need ingredients. We need aluminum. We need labels. We need um wood we need different things so why aren't we reaching out to other tribes that can offer that and go back to what we used to do which was trading and supporting each other and hopefully not only do we do it more but we influence others to do the same thing definitely i like that i'm seeing that more and more i'm seeing that the tribes are coming together mm -hmm. to be more uniformed and to help each other out and it, it wasn't always that way for people that may not know Indian country. It's come a long way. So it's super exciting. And you've stated that this beer is not just a beer. It's also about awareness. Explain that to us. Yeah, I think that there's so many, there's awareness you see on the can, which is easy to read. But I think that it's also awareness that we're still here and that we're a force to be reckoned with. I think that we are put down on the level Currently, when you talk to tourists or other people, we're really just known for casinos. And I think that this is an awareness that we're known for way more and that we're capable of way more. And we work together, major things can happen, which probably scares a lot of people. And frankly, it makes me excited. I also think that mm -hmm. inevitably when we are able to get to it, even bringing up the topic of discussion of alcoholism, that's not something that we talk about. And I think that nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to take on the beast of Native Americans have trauma and let's deal with that. It's an uncomfortable conversation. So even though I don't want to hear the plague or feel that we're putting us in those categories, it is a needed conversation and how do we deal with it? Good point. And that's why I love when you and I first talked the first time, you're like, listen, I want to talk about something right up front. And that is, you know, obviously uh -huh. there's alcohol awareness among our community, but there's also um, ways that we need to be serving our communities within our tribes, outside the tribes, the environment, all of these different things. And you've really kind of, again, found a niche where you can kind of bring awareness to all these different areas. So I'd like to take a moment for myself and our listeners to learn about the Yurok tribe and culture and tradition. So tell us about your people and history. Yes, I am a Yurok tribal member. I am also curved in Talawa, but the Yurok people were the largest tribe in California. Um, we're one of the few tribes that were not displaced. We definitely had deaths and some displacement from Indian boarding schools, but we, for the most part, stayed in our area. And even though we lost some of our ancestral land, we are still in part of that right now and working with partnerships to have access to it with the state parks. Um, up until the last few years, we've really been focused on 
our culture and preserving our language and our land. And that has been our fight. And along with the rivers, we are one of the few tribes that have our language in um, UCs and high schools. You can take it as a class and you get legitimate credit like any other language. Mm -hmm. So pushing for that, we've also done a lot with carbon work. We have outside of dam removal, we have a lot of environmental things that we focus on and keeping our culture alive with ceremonies and still having that, it's pretty amazing. And being able to pass that on with all these different tools nowadays, your ops are not all in one area. We're getting close to 7,000 members. We're all over. So we're having to really divert to technology to talk to each other. We have a language app. We have amazing programs online to do an online language class, which we never had that accessibility. And it's something to say that when you can speak your language or you feel like you're part of it, your confidence is up and you are connected. And that's one of our trauma things is not having that connection. And mm -hmm. I don't think I say it enough how proud I am of all those people that are putting this work together on the cultural side. It's pretty amazing. And our work with the parks of having this first co-management, it's unbelievable. I'm excited to see where it goes next. Kudos, kudos to the people working on uh, preserving that culture and uh, traditions and language. Obviously, I'm a huge component of that. That's what this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing about the Yurok people. And where is the tribe located today? We are um, also in Humboldt and Del Norte County. We have numerous offices on a reservation. Our main one is in Klamath. We have one in Wichpec, Tule Creek, and Crescent City. It's all over in our ancestral territory and looking to expand. And that's really exciting. When I was growing up, we had a trailer in Wichpec, and now we have this big office. And even when we had that little dumpy trailer, I was so proud of it. Like, look at right. us. We're so organized. Yeah. We have a trailer. So we to see where we're at now, it's pretty amazing. That's super exciting. Yeah. You've seen it come a long way, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So today, many on the reservation don't even have electricity, and that might sound shocking to some that, that that's the case in modern day. Would you share more about the Yurok Reservation and the environment there? Yes, we are in the most beautiful country, I believe. However, we are in the rugged terrain of the mountains and the redwoods, and that is a buffer for technology, electricity, phones. Mm -hmm. A lot of our reservation still doesn't have cell phone service or phones, um, power, power lines. And part of it is people, I think, don't want it. They want to keep a little piece of this. But the reality is now is that it's become a hindrance on education and connectivity in an emergency situation. We're so far out. Our reservation is so far spread out that we have different areas that have different abilities. They're not able to get things. We're basically in a food desert like a lot of other reservations are trying to right. overcome that. It's a real thing. When I was growing up, we didn't have phones and I miss those days, first of all, right. but you <laughs> live in the world now without phones and power and the internet, it's really hard to make a living. We were just without power for five days. Oh my gosh. Days, right. And my life kind of halted. So to think that we're expected to live in this modern world and we still don't have the basic resources to do that, it's eye-opening. And like you said, especially when we're trying to increase our education for our Native people and then when they can't get the access that they need to 
just internet alone, I, that's got to be really hard. So I can see why this is not just a job to you. It's a chance to provide jobs and to help your own people. And now just in case y'all think this whole thing seems like a fun job, you may first want to hear about the challenges Linda and her team faced when they opened around the time of COVID. What happened? Oh, who would have thought? We were so excited to purchase the brewery and our first game plan was really the intertribal commerce. We didn't want to just talk about it. We want to do it by action, by getting everyone together with carrying our product and bringing people together. And two months or a month and a half later, COVID happened and it um, took away our ability to do business, not just in our local tap room, but due to California shutting down every bar for quite some time, along with most restaurants and most stores, we had no opportunity to sell our product, which is a terrifying thing for any new business. Um, And it was even more terrifying because the elephant in the room is that we're natives doing alcohol and everyone's planning on you failing and they expect you to fail and they expect the worst case situation. So we had to make the most of that time. And what we did in that time, even though we're still struggling from that, is we rebranded and we started working on partnerships that took effect when COVID was over, like the Giants and like the hockey, the Barracuda and the state parks and working with the casinos where we're just now picking up. And when COVID ended, I think America kind of thought, oh, we're back open and it's fine. But the reality is, is that a third of California's hospitality businesses, including restaurants and bars, are closed permanently. Third. Wow. So we are taking that big chunk and recovering from it. And the economic recovery is horrific. We're borderline recession with inflation. And so mm. now we are finding these intertribal partnerships are more necessary than ever we have $9 billion in revenue a year from California casinos. And how can we all capitalize and gain off of that? And how right. can we rely on each other? And so we are diving deep into that along with struggling like every other business in this unbelievable economic circumstance we didn't see ourselves in. Absolutely. And something you mentioned was kind of interesting. I, I myself, having a, a really small business, I don't have time to stop and always go find sponsors. For instance, I don't have time to like stop and strategize very much. So I guess that was the one perk in your case uh, Mm -hmm. at Mad River. It was kind of like, okay, well, we're going to make the best use of our time. We're going to go talk to San Francisco giants and some other things. So I think that's kind of an interesting way that you looked at it and the, the brewery has survived and it is thriving and super exciting to hear all those things that you're doing. So where are you selling the beer today? We are in numerous chain stores. And if you go to our website, we are now able to share some of the stores we're at locations. You can find us, but we are in Costco's and Walmart's and Safeway's. Um, Fedmo's, Whole Foods, and they vary in each location, but you can find us in some big chain stores along with, of course, the mom and pop and liquor stores and restaurants and bars. That's amazing. I mean, do you ever look back and go, wait, how did we get here? How, how are we in Target? How are we in all these places that, I mean, that's gotta be a dream. 
If you looked on my photo roll, there's probably about 500 pictures of our beer in a store and having the word uh -huh. Yurok on anything in any major store, it's never going to get old and no. it will ever last and open up opportunities we never thought. So it's unbelievable. Kudos. Well, there are a couple of folks I'd like to give a shout out to. First off, Justin Chester, who originally introduced us. He's from Tepa Companies, which is owned by the Paskenta Band of Nomlaki Indians. And let's also do a hello to your team. Tell us about the folks that help make Mad River a success. Oh, I might cry. They're amazing. Aww. We've had to become the closest family possible during COVID. And everyone here truly believes in every objective and thing we're fighting for. My team asks about the water. They ask about our condor release. They ask about what's happening with the tribe. We work together so closely. And to be with people who are professionals in this category of craft beer, it's really humbling to work alongside of them and all the different things they do. We have people here that have been here for 20 plus years and to see that devotion and care and mm -hmm. kindness and passion for what they do. It's truly amazing. We have a small team, but they're pretty hardy and I would take them over anyone else. Yeah. I've, I've talked to a couple of your team members and good leaders are hard to find and they're few and far between. And they also say very wonderful things about you as well. So I think, um, teamwork is definitely a strength there at Mad River. It's a key to your success. And that leadership is certainly a part of that. Mm -hmm. So before we go, how can our listeners get a taste of your brews besides just going to the store to, to catch it? Yeah, you can visit us online and find out obviously where to get it. You can support us by even liking and sharing our social media and our Facebook or telling a friend about it. You can obviously find it at Oracle Stadium, Oracle Park. You can find us in the Barracuda Stadium. Um, and then also just come by and visit if you're able to, or call us and ask us to send you something. I think any interest is positive. That's fantastic. So you don't have to live in California to enjoy it, right? No. So Linda, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners before we go? I think it's really let's work together a little bit more and look outside your community and see how you can partner with people, even if it's out of reach, us yeah. connecting to each other, even if maybe there's nothing we can do, but saying, hey, I'm here. Um, what can I share of yours? What can you share of mine? Even us sharing more information together, it's a win and really supporting each other, not focusing on the negative. Focusing on the positive, we've gone through a really hard time. And I think as Native people, it's our time to support each other and really put that aside that all of the hardships we have and that we have each other right now. Mad River Brewery continues to press onward with a meaningful message to raise awareness, increase visibility, and make for a more sustainable, environmentally restorative, and equitable future. Thank you again, Linda, for being here and for all you're doing for our American Indian communities. Again, check the brewery out at madriverbrewing.com and on my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page. And thank you for supporting this Native woman-run and tribally-owned business. Yakoki. Yeah, Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. 
That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechoctalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.